Welcome to the Geographical Podcast, brought to you by Geographical Magazine, the official publication of the Royal Geographical Society. I'm Jacob Dykes, writer at Geographical, and thank you for tuning in. This month, we turn our attention to a miraculous rodent. To the delight of conservationists and the British public alike, the beaver is back, busy on our waterways once again. By building dams, Beavers naturally regulate the flow of rivers, but this ecosystem engineer species was driven to local extinction in the 1700s. Without them, our waterways do not function naturally. Many hope that the species will now improve the condition of our waterways, benefiting both human communities and the natural world. This month, I took a trip down to Cornwall to visit two spots where beavers are having a quite remarkable impact. The resulting article is published in the December issue of our print magazine and is narrated here by the wonderful actor and star of The Crown, Simon Paisley Day. Back with a flourish. A consultation is underway to officially return beavers at the national level across Britain. In our tightly managed landscape, conservationists hope the species will revive nature's intrinsic messiness for the benefit of all. By Jacob Dykes. A constant, calming murmur of water follows us through the wood. All around, the white tendrils of old man's beard lichen, thriving in the pure air, grip the branches of ancient sessile oaks. The sound of walking boots is muffled on the soft forest floor, where a thousand years of non-disturbance has allowed a mesh of mycelial connections to flourish beneath us. The shallow stream we're following becomes blocked at intervals by felled trees. Merlin Hanbury Tennyson, who inherited the temperate rainforest of Cabilla, Cornwall, one of the UK's last, puts an index finger to his lips and points up the stream. There, Sitting atop a makeshift structure of broken branches is a revenant, not seen here since a time long forgotten. To have them back, breeding again, in an ancient woodland, the first time in maybe three hundred years, is magical, he whispers, with not one, but two pairs of binoculars readied, as if willing himself more eyes to soak in the moment. The campaign has been arduous, but the Eurasian beaver is back. In Scotland, following a trial phase and monitoring of a free-living population that had escaped onto the River Tay from a private collection, beavers were listed by Scottish Natural Heritage as a protected species in May 2019. In England, there are a number of enclosed beaver trials and now free-living populations established on the rivers Otter, Tamar, Wye, Avon and Stour. Following the success of the River Otter Beaver Trial, which published results last year, the UK government announced that the River Otter Beavers could remain wild. And now a consultation process is underway regarding a national release and management programme. Scotland has a population of around a thousand beavers. England, around 500. English beavers will be given protected status in 2022, making it illegal to kill them or interfere with their habitats.
With what he calls the thousand-year project underway, Hanbury Tennyson has been captivated by the return of beavers to Britain's riparian woodlands and waterways. His goal is to treble the 100 acres of this remaining temperate rainforest and to reintroduce native species that were driven from it. Three years ago, he began exploring options with Natural England and the Wildlife Trust to undergo controlled releases of beavers into his woodland. After receiving a grant for the fencing from Tevi, an EU-funded environmental scheme, and receiving a non-native animal keeper's licence, Hanbury Tennyson released a male and female into a woodland enclosure in July last year. The reason for the enclosure is that they are, until the consultation process yields a complete strategy for reintroduction and management, a formerly native species. Britain has been missing the Eurasian beaver since around the late 1700s. The last record of a beaver on our lands can be found at Bolton Percy, near York, where a church warden's account in 1789 records tuppence being paid to a Mr John Swale for a beaver head. Castorium, rich in salicylic acid and produced in the beaver's scent glands, was then a coveted commodity. Combined with our taste for their fur, it proved terminal for the UK's population. We sit a while in the dark wood, painted cerulean by the first light of morning. Birdsong breaks the silence. To me, the calls all blend into one, but they are distinct to the ecologists around me, whose ears are attuned to their symphony. Hanbury Tennyson reorientates himself to a vantage point on the riverbank. From his pocket, he produces a thermal imaging scope and trains it on the dam ahead. Two beaver kits. That's fantastic, he says, handing me the scope. Down the lens, the dark woodland becomes a grey other world as two tiny glowing red faces emerge from the rubble of deadwood. Up until the 1960s, the lands surrounding us at Kabila were devoted to upland hill farming, producing dairy, beef, sheep, pigs, chickens and a wide variety of crops. In the last 60 years, Hanbury Tennyson explains, the farm has been channelled down a path toward monocultures. That degraded the health of the land and soil to the point where it was hard to even sustain the business. Now, Kabila has diversified into ecosystem restoration. Education and hospitality form a new business model, with the ultimate vision of invigorating the family's land to boost diversity for the benefit of all. She doesn't know it yet, but my nine-month-old daughter will inherit this project, and her children after her, he says, as the beavers and their kits scurry into dens at the water's edge. These habitats, by nature's design, are incomplete without beavers like these, adds Hanbury Tennyson. Beavers are, he explains, a true ecosystem engineer. For shelter, they build lodges using foraged sticks, vegetation and mud. They burrow into soft banks and dig networks of canals to provide access to wooded areas for feeding. The dams they build raise and stabilise water levels, providing access to resources and safety from predators. Over time, their dams and the trees they fell extend river water out onto naturally created wetlands and floodplains. 
The end result is a net increase in habitat heterogeneity, the bedrock of biodiversity, says James Wallace, chief executive officer of the Beaver Trust. They breathe life into waterways and woodlands. Hanbury Tennyson pauses at a stripped oak branch. New shoots burst from its wound. A beaver breakfast bar, he says. It was only by observing beavers that those early foresters learned how to coppice. Beavers are better managers of the wood than we. Coppicing is the technique long used by foresters which sees trees repeatedly cut at the base to prolong their life and promote new growth. Around our feet, hundreds of oak saplings rise from the soil, springing forth in pools of sunlight. This regrowth is all because just two beavers have helped to clear the canopy. For ecosystems to function, the pieces have to be back in place. Last year, Kabila experienced an oak masting year, an ancient mechanism of reproduction where communities of oaks simultaneously drop a horde of acorns to the forest floor. Botanists believe the phenomenon evolved to sporadically flood the forest with saplings, providing deer with more food than they could eat, thus increasing the number of saplings surviving into adulthood. In the forests of old, deer and beaver would have walked the same riverbanks. By clearing the canopy, beavers would have enabled sunlight to reach the forest floor, helping those saplings to grow at a faster rate than deer could browse them. Beavers' coppicing activity would have sprouted new forage for deer from living trees, also giving the saplings a better chance. Today, beavers may not recognise the lands they are returning to. In the 19th century, technological innovations in agriculture transformed seasonally flooded marsh and pasture into the agronomically productive farmland we see today. After the Second World War, the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food began issuing grants to farmers for draining wetlands. An estimated 300,000 hectares of lowland wet grasslands were converted between 1970 and 1985, and 1 1.5 million hectares of upland peatland was drained in the mid-century, mainly through the mechanical digging of channels designed to lower the water table. On official record, one million hectares were drained in the 1970s alone. The trend has continued, with land cover maps showing that between 2006 and 2012, over a thousand hectares of natural wetland were converted to artificial surfaces. In the UK, the Amber Project has found that 99% of our rivers are fragmented by artificial barriers such as dams, weirs and culverts. Many have important functions, but on average, a barrier punctuates every 1.5-kilometre stretch of river. Everywhere you look, there's water management. The imposition of culverts and drains that transport water unnecessarily rapidly and, of course, more polluted than it would ordinarily be, says Richard Brazier, Professor of Earth Surface Processes at Exeter University and Chief Scientist on the River Otter Beaver Trial. According to the Water Framework Directive, just 14% of UK rivers are today in good ecological health. None of the UK's rivers passes good chemical health standards. 
More than two-thirds of our groundwater bodies are in poor health due to over-abstraction and agricultural runoffs now pollute more than 2,296 rivers in the UK, leading to nearly two-thirds becoming what the Water Framework Directive dubs ecological failures. The drainage of waterways and wetlands and the ordering of rivers has decreased the availability of habitat for plants and animals. Since 1970, there has been an average 14% decline in species abundance in the UK. More species show strong or moderate decreases in abundance, 41%, than show increases, 26%, since 1970, during which time annual agricultural productivity has increased by over 150%. Our obsession with order and control has been to the detriment of biodiversity, adds Wallace. And yet, trials show that nature can bounce back. It is obvious to see in this undisturbed ancient wood where the river is now managed by a pair of beavers, where lungwort and barnacle lichens flourish on every inch of the tree trunks, and where, as dawn broke this morning, a green woodpecker flitted in gleeful acrobatics between hazel branches either side of the riverbank. Such rich fragments of habitat, teeming with new life, are a vision of what nature in Britain might be like. I think you will find this habitat particularly fascinating, says restorative farmer Chris Jones, with the warm glow of a naturalist in nature, as he guides us through a boggy marsh near the village of Laydock in Cornwall as afternoon rolls round. In 2012 and 2013, Laydock experienced severe flash flooding, but the Environment Agency had no budget to spend on flood defence. At the time, Jones suggested that he release beavers into an enclosure uphill to redistribute water onto the land. In 2017, after receiving a non-native animal licence, Jones's beavers had begun work on their first dam. Now, four years into what he calls the Cornwall Beaver Project, the same individuals have extended the system to eight dams. As he leads us down to the beavers at Woodland Valley Farm, my eye traces the network of pools threading the wetland. The river's surface fans outward, the weight of its flow easing as it passes a meshed system of dams. Grasses and reed beds line the wetland's edges. You, you wouldn't believe it, but these same dams that you're looking at now provided huge flood defence when Storm Dennis came, says Jones. His Wellington boots squelching through the water Jones plunges his walking stick into a thick slop of sediment. All of this is the nitrates, phosphates and other agricultural runoff that's not able to get downstream because of the beaver's work. In 2019, a study was released examining the effect of Jones's beavers, along with three other groups in the Forest of Dean, Budley Brook and Cropton Forest. By building dams, Beavers attenuated average flood flows from extreme weather events by 60%. An earlier study on the River Tamar showed that beavers reduced total discharge of water onto inhabited areas downstream, purifying the agricultural runoff. When water had passed through the system of 13 dams that the beavers created, there was three times less sediment, 0.7 times less nitrogen, 
and five times less phosphate. Government bodies have described the results of such studies as astonishing, and are now calling for more nature-based solutions to contemporary land management problems. But ecologists, long campaigning for beaver reintroduction, were less surprised. Beaver dams cause streams to cut into riverbanks, widening the incised channels. As dams trap sediment, the streambed raises and forces water out onto the floodplain, recharging groundwater. All of this helps to purify the water system, control flooding, and help prevent agricultural runoff from reaching the coast. Our problems on waterways, rivers, and landscapes have been accelerated by the fact that we haven't had natural functions to counterbalance them," says Brazier. If you think of human jobs since the intensification of farming started as getting water off the land, the beaver's job is to do the opposite. This is hugely important, given that data from the Met Office, published in the State of Our Rivers 2021 report, shows that from the 1990s, as average temperature has risen above nine degrees centigrade, average rainfall has increased dramatically. Now, across England, 5.2 million homes and businesses are at risk of flooding, and annual average damages caused by floods have risen to over one billion pounds. Sums that the Rivers Trust believes will continue to rise with average temperatures. For years, conservation groups have pushed to allow more space for natural processes to shape our waterways. A critical hurdle has been. Unstitching the dependency of farmers on agricultural subsidies, which have historically favoured greater land use, encouraging farmers to extend arable land to the river's edge, and incentivising the drainage of wetland to create more space for crops. Now, the government is developing a new environmental land management scheme, billed to help deliver the goals in its 25-year environmental plan. For rivers, there has recently been a significant breakthrough. Announced on the 25th of September, the Woodlands for Water project will aim to create 3,150 hectares of trees in six river catchments from Devon to Cumbria by March 2025, and will make direct payments to farmers for planting woodlands and conserving riparian ecosystems. Beavers. Will become a critical aspect of the mission. Defra publicly stated in 2020 that beaver reintroductions contribute to the government's 25-year environmental plan, and UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson recently announced that to help the UK reach net zero by 2050, his government will build back beaver. The UK has already committed to consecrating 30% of the UK's countryside to nature. And the carbon sequestration potential of naturally functioning ecosystems has accelerated the move. A 2018 study found that beaver dams increase the amount of dissolved organic carbon in rivers and riparian woodland. Another 2019 study showed that beaver ponds increase the amount of organic carbon in trapped sediments. Over time, the Woodlands for Water project. Hopes to create a mosaic of habitats along rivers, 
including regenerating riparian woodland and beaver meadows, which will boost the amount of carbon being stored. Where suitable habitat exists currently, it's about getting beavers back into them. Elsewhere, it's about encouraging farmers to step away from the river's edge through payment schemes, allowing regeneration of riparian woodlands, and then we will see beavers' range extend naturally, says Brazier. The afternoon light creeps over Jones's wetland, as more signs of the beavers' influence on the ecosystem unearth. Grasses elbow their way up from the riverbed. Water lilies jostle for position, and felled trees droop over the riverbanks. Older beaver dams harbour muddy pools behind them, from which dragonflies burst forth. A hobby, its reflection shimmering against the water's surface, plucks insects from the air. Above them, the limbs of larger trees are cleared, and sunlight shines through the canopy, falling on the pale pinks of cuckoo flowers and the canary yellows of marsh marigolds at the water's edge. It's obvious when you see it, but this is all about creating the messiness that our ecosystems are missing in our now tightly managed environment, says Wallace. Nature like this has become sort of alien in the UK. He is right. According to WWF, the UK ranks 184th out of 219 countries for the status of its ecosystems. The UK subscribes to the IUCN's rules on species reintroduction and, according to Brazier, is obliged to actively consider the reintroduction of lost native species. Yet conservationists while celebrating the beaver's return, remind us that it's the first native mammal to ever be reintroduced. We are clearly not sticking to the guidelines. We're not acting on species reintroduction at a government level swiftly enough, says Brazier. In fact, the founding populations of beaver on the rivers Tamar and Otter came from clandestine releases, possibly a symptom of public impatience with the bureaucracy that accompanies proposed reintroductions. People are taking the power back, says Brazier. I can't endorse that because the better way would be a politically and environmentally progressive action plan, but in the absence of that, there's been a huge groundswell of support for reintroduction of species like the beaver, and now pine marten, red squirrel, golden eagles and white-tailed eagles. In the years ahead, rowan, alder, hazel and willow saplings will keep springing from the banks of Jones's wetland. Some 37 bird species will feed on the rowan berries. 90 animal species will be supported by alder and the endangered kingfisher will nest in the willow's branches. Through a single act of engineering, beavers ignite a cascade of resource distribution that ripples through the ecosystem. Through the creation of pools and wetlands during the River Otter beaver trial, beavers increased the biomass of trout by 37%. Devon Wildlife Trust 
found that 55 species of bryophyte increased in abundance with beavers, along with 26 species of wetland beetle and 41 species of aquatic invertebrates. Studies elsewhere show that plant species richness is 33% higher in beaver habitats. Since they arrived, we've had eight new species of birds at the farm. Hobbies, green sandpiper, water rail, cormorants, firecrest, gadwall, spotted flycatcher. Even these grasses wouldn't flourish without the canopy-clearing activity of the beavers, says Jones, plonking his hat on the bank and moving to the river's edge. I like to think of it as an engineering project that's never finished, that doesn't have a deadline. With eyes trained through years of quiet observation, he points towards a glimmer in the shallows. You see there? Brown trout. Juveniles. We're seeing so many more. The water is cleaner and the beavers have let sunlight reach the riverbed where the juveniles can spawn in the growing reeds. A chestnut drops from the tree above us into the water and the trout vanish. When the ripples stop, it is our own reflections that peer back at us from the water's surface. It is odd to think of the beaver's long, bloody history at the hands of man. Odder still to see them here again, when the health of our rivers has depleted and when the case for their reintroduction has been hurried by the threat of man-made climate change. Perhaps at this juncture, the beaver, busy on our waterways again, is a symbol of humility, of transition, where we no longer rely on our own ingenuity, but place more trust in the methods of nature. That was actor Simon Paisley Day, narrating an article written by me, Jacob Dykes, for the December issue of our monthly magazine. You've been listening to the Geographical Podcast. We're taking a short break now for the festive period. We'll be back in January with an all-new series. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and stay up to date with our rapidly changing world. <laughs>